My Father, you are amazing. We are so grateful. Thank you for your faithfulness in the lives of your sons and daughters. Thank you for empowering us. Lord, please open our ear, open our heart. Not just igniting the word, but obeying the word. We want to be those that obey the word and not just hearers only. Thank you for this season is magnificent. Thank you for the amazing testimonies that you're already building right now. Thank you that you've already released your angels to come and run and bring the answers to prayer, the multiplication of seed song. This, Lord, in our lives, we acknowledge is your kingdom at work. Even so, Lord Jesus, complete your work in us. Let your word have place in Jesus' name. All God's people said amen. Amen. Would you just give God the praise? What that amazing testimony. That was amazing. I guess if I sit down, you should sit down there. I, um, oh, okay. One, two. It's, it's not doing anything anyway. <laughs> could come to you, John. Wow. Uh, James, uh, Lisa, that was, that was amazing. Uh, the reason why it's amazing is because it's just unpretentious. It's just real what God is doing. So I thought today that since he's already preached to my message, <laughs> living word, right? It's, it's so amazing. I thought what I would do, just something very simple that I could give you, that you could ride on, that you could work with, that every day you could look at and you could hear because it's only the word of God by which you receive faith and it's only faith that pleases God. It's the only way you can please God. And, and faith comes by hearing and hearing, hearing is actuated by the word of the Lord. And that's why I want to, I want to um, encourage you, those of you that are having difficulty maybe with this or doubts or you're feeling like, uh, I don't know about this. I've been in so many congregations where the only thing that matters is an offering. And, and you might have come from that. I, I do get that. But by grace, I pray that the Lord will allow you to hear something beyond that. That you will understand that the Lord is really wanting to get your attention. The Lord really wants to complete his dream and goal in your life. And he has a way of doing that. Unfortunately, all other ways, all other pathways lead, lead you astray. There's a way that seems right to a man. The Bible says. But that way leads to death. The way of the Lord is revealed by the word of God. You only get to know the way of the Lord when he shows you. He opens your eyes. And until your eyes are open, you know, you just, you just hope, maybe. But once you begin to see, then you'll have to decide whether you're going to act. I want you to turn with me. 
one passage. You know this passage. Most of you could quote it. Kenny, you might even have it already, but it's Proverbs chapter 3. I want you to look there. I have a, I've had a love relationship with Proverbs for a long time. Uh, it has been um, much of my daily bread. And um, the reason why I'm giving you this today is because you, you'll see in a moment how it ties in so much to this season and what the Lord is doing. Uh, Neil, I, I don't know, I don't think I emailed this to you, but I know I emailed it to Kenny. But uh, um, you, you can put these notes. Um, did you email it to him already? Great. Um, are they already on that quick? Oh, that's awesome. I don't know if you know it or not, but Neil has been keeping us right. Amen. And Ken, they've been doing a great job. Amen. And Dave, where's Dave? There he is. He's hiding behind there. Dave is, uh, records, makes sure everything is recorded and cataloged. And we thank you so much, Dave. Um, okay, so I'm not going to go note word for word on these notes, but the notes are here for you. Um, but Proverbs chapter 3 has something amazing to say. In, 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 the, in those notes, it starts with verses 3, verses 5 through 10. But I want you to... Just for background sake, I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 3, starting with verse 1. I, so I want, I want to give you an understanding so you understand how precious and valuable this chapter in Proverbs really is to you. Proverbs chapter 3, and, and it, it, it starts out by saying, my son, and don't, don't worry ladies, the, the word is not prejudice. The word is not... Um, there's a word, what do they call it when, when women are segregated against? What's that called? The, the word is not misogynistic. It isn't. You just have to understand that when the Bible says my son, it includes all those who follow him. Amen. And he writes in the, in the, in the, in the masculine. Check this out. My son. By the way, in the scripture, there is such a thing as masculine and feminine. I won't say any more about that. All right. My, my son, don't forget my teaching. This is, believe it or not, this is Solomon's mother writing to him. The, the, the Proverbs are so incredible that for every Hebrew letter, there is a proverb. And one of the ways she taught Solomon the, 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 the Hebrew alphabet is she wrote a proverb for every letter. It's amazing how inspired the word of God is. Check it out. He says, my son, don't forget my word. Don't forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments. Check this out. Hear ye all ears open. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. I need to say this to you. It's a horrible thing to live long and not have peace. You can encounter people who are in their latter years and they are a mess. They're not fun to be around. The proverb says, if you keep my teachings, not only will I add years to your life, they'll be good years and you'll have peace. 
he goes on and he says, don't let kindness and truth leave you. Tap your neighbor and say, I hope you're kind because it's part of your prosperity. Tap your neighbor and say, I hope you're kind. And you know, there's nothing worse than somebody who's kind and a liar. If they're kind and they're a liar, they're a deceiver. They're a, if they flatter you with words and their motives are wrong, that's not the kind of person you want to be or be around. Are you, are you breathing, saints? For length of days and years and peace, and you don't let kindness and truth, don't let them leave you. He said, you know what? Take them and make them a necklace. Bind kindness and truth around your neck. Are you there? Write them on the tablet of your heart. I should say to you that one of the keys of getting the word of God on your heart is for your eyes and your ears to be constantly exposed to it. This makes sense why your daily devotions are so imperative and so important. He says that, don't, he says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them to your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find, and it's true, favor ain't fair. But if you want favor, you're going to have to do this. It says, so you will find favor and good report or good repute in the sight of, check it out, God and, come on, and men. Now that's a prelude to everything he's trying to say. Because in Proverbs, he's trying to give you, this is like one of the most simple, powerful formulas for your personal success. He's not kidding. Of all the Proverbs, this is probably the most popular in the world. Of all the scripture, this is considered the top three most memorized scriptures in the world. Because in this in this passage is so much of your future and your life. If you, want to think, if you want to straighten it out, your life is not where it needs to be. This is a great place to hear the direction for that. Check this out. Verse 4, I, I said, you will find favor and good report. Now, now, verse 5, this is probably one of the most memorized scriptures in all the world. If you know it, cover it up and quote it. What does it say? Uh-huh. And? Okay, that verse 5 and 6 is probably memorized more than any scripture. It's certainly at the top of the list of favorite scriptures in the world. Several Sundays ago, when we talked about trust fall, we, we, we used this scripture. To trust is more than believe. Trust involves action. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. How many of you have done that in the past and has not turned out that well? And if you had to do it again, you said, Lord, I would have done it differently. Raise your hand if that's you. I would have done it differently. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have trust what I wouldn't have trusted my feelings. I wouldn't have trusted my emotions. I wouldn't have trusted my logic. He goes on and he says, 
in verse 6, in all your ways, what about it? How, how much is all? Excuse me, explain this to me. How much is all? Mm. In all your ways, here's what I want you to do. I want him to be on your tongue in all your ways. I want you to acknowledge him. If you have a way in your life that you are ashamed of or you don't want to acknowledge him, that's the way you ought to abandon it. It's a great tool for, for, for checking out whether do I want to live this way or do I want to go, go this way or do I want to act this way or do I want to feel this way? Because if you can't acknowledge him, that's not a way you want to go. Are you all breathing? In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what does it say? He, and he will what? Direct your path is a common translation. Another translation, is, which is really good too, he will make your path straight. Okay. Now I want you to do something that's revolutionary. Read the next verse. Don't be wise in your... Listen, you can, you can wrap that verse. Don't be wise in your own eyes. You know, I mean... <laughs> Do you know that this scripture is probably one of the most violated scriptures in the world? Because most people think that their own personal wisdom is pretty good. Don't be wise in your own eyes. What's the next verse say? Ooh, I want to tremble at that verse. I, I won't take the time to break open what the fear of the Lord is, but I'll just tell you that when, when, you, when you have a face-to-face -face relationship with God, one of the products of that is a godly fear. It might be, uh, a better word meant to use is holiness. It's, um, it's, 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 a, it's a kind of word that, ha it, it's like when you're trembling because, when you're trembling and you're not afraid. I don't, it's not a fear in this translation. It's not afraid as, in, as you normally would associate. This is deep reverential respect for who God is. Talk, talk to your neighbor. Be the preacher right now. Says your dreams are no bigger than you, than you believe who God is. Tell them your dreams are no bigger than who you believe God is. So one of the things God is wanting to do is make himself, make himself great. And there are two things you want, write these two things down. Two things you want to know about God. This is what you're going to get out of, out of a theological training. I know it's dumbed down, and I know it's pretty simplistic. But when you come out of seminary after four or five years, you come away, you're supposed to come away with two things. God is great, and God is good. Can we say it together? God is great. Now, one reason why, that, the reason why that's so important because usually if you have all power, all authority, normally in the world, the more power you encounter, the more greatness you encounter, usually the more buffoonery that goes along with it or evil or cruelty or selfishness. But something very different about the God we serve. He is I want to give you a scripture. Uh, uh, Psalms 62, Psalm 62, 11 and 12. Psalm 62, write that down. Ooh-wee, ooh-wee. 
Psalm 62, 11 and 12. You ought to eat on that all week long. Say it over and over again. Kenny, can you get it up for me right quick? And, and Kenny, if you can find it in the... Um, find it in the New International Version, NIV. It, 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 it'll even serve this purpose even greater. You ought to, you ought to eat on this scripture all, all week long because this really, your, your future, your dreams are no bigger than how you perceive God. One thing has spoken. Two things I have heard. Power, come on, say it. Power belongs to God. Everybody else that has power, it's borrowed power. And at the end of the day, it all goes back to God. Read the next verse. And with you, Lord, is what? Unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. I want to tell you something about God. God is great and God is good. Anything happening to you that's negative, Anything that's happening to you that is evil, anything happening to you that's disappointing, anything happening to you that's degrading, anything that's happening to you that makes you broke, anything that's going on in your life that makes you afraid, anything happening in your life that get, get, brings disappointment, that ain't God. That's not God. Because God is great. And what else? That's what makes him so unique. God is not corrupted by his own power. God is not jaded by his own strength. He has it all. And one of the ways that we get this revelation is when we understand who Jesus is. That's why men have a difficulty with Jesus. When he rose, he's all power and authority is in my hand. And he proved it by raising from the dead. But why was he in the grave in the first place? He was in the grave in the first place so he could buy you. He was in the grave because God is good. He was in the grave because he loves you so much. And these two attributes about God are key. And I, I don't want you to let them go. I want you to, to, to feast on them. Now understand the greatness of God and the goodness of God. And God is helping us as his people to understand those two things so the things that God has put in you may come alive, may come forth. In Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 3, it's like that she gave him on the third lesson, she gave him the, the whole kit and caboodle. <laughs> the caboose and the engine. <laughs> and so he says, don't be wise in your own eyes. That'd make you despise other guys. Oh, 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 that did right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Check this out. It, check this. This is what's going to happen to you when you do this. It will be what? Healing, come on, to your body and refreshment, come on, to your body. By the way, this is no joke. And if you will talk to medical science, medical uh, doctors, uh, those that are involved in medicine and science, they will tell you that so many diseases are related to the blood and the marrow in your bones. There are some cancers that start in the bones. And the Bible talks about bitterness in the heart of a person. 
that defiles a person. It's really quite amazing. So here, she so wisely said, Solomon, this is how you keep your health. Don't be wise. Turn, fear the Lord and turn. Would you, please get this. Don't let this go past you. Evil is a choice. that you and I have the power to turn from. You have the power to turn from evil. This is why Jesus did what he did for you, so you could make a good choice. Actually, the crucifixion was to reveal to you how evil, evil really is. Evil, so evil, until evil would take an innocent child and rape an innocent child. That's the picture you get on the cross when Jesus, who is totally innocent, without sin, to ravage and beat him because he wanted to show you how evil, evil is. So Lord, the Lord allows them to do what you please, do what you will, do your best. I remember Mel Gibson when he, when he did his movie, um, the passion in the midst of the beating when Jesus was being beat uh, mercilessly and, and it, taken, it was taking all of his strength. And I'm told that you are very rarely a man can stand 40 stripes. Usually guys would be dead by the time he got to 40, the way they were whipping him. And, um, but he, he, he took it all, and in the middle of it, they're, they're marveling. You remember that scene? They marveled, how can you? But this guy still, he still, we still haven't broken him. And, and then when he does, he gets up, he pulls himself back up. <clears throat> and he looks at him and says, are you finished? <laughs> he didn't say it. It's what his, 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 his countenance was, I know you're not done yet. And he's, he's revealing how wicked and evil, evil really is. This verse, it says, I want you to fear the Lord. That is to love, you know, have you ever, have you, a parent, do you know what it means to not want to break the faith of your children? Husbands, do you know what it feels like when I don't want to break the trust of my wife? Wives, do you know what it feels like when you don't, you want your husband, it's so, the relationship is precious, so you want your husband to keep, to, you want your husband to keep believing in you? Jesus, when he takes his beating, as he took his beating, he, he wanted to remain true to his father. And so he takes all of it for you, for me. She doesn't even know about Jesus' death yet, but her writings are inspired by God. And she says, fear the Lord and turn. Look, you will not turn from evil when evil is your friend. And by the way, whatever is trying to destroy you personally is evil. Whatever habit, whatever situation is trying to, de to destroy you is evil. Because God is not for your destruction. So she says to Solomon, I want you to fear the Lord, that coming face to face with God, that holy thing, holiness, that makes you very special to God. It makes God very special to you. He says, 
in that light, in that fear of the Lord, turn away, reject every form of evil. And it is a decision, not a feeling. And the people said amen then. This is going to make sense to you in one moment. He says, I want you to, don't, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. And when you turn, this is so beautiful. There's a whole message on this. When you turn from evil, healing starts. Turn away from evil, he says. And then the Bible says, this is so beautiful. You turn away, he says, it will be, that, that turning away from evil, it will be healing to you. Did I write, did I, I, I didn't misquote it, did I, I didn't misquote it. What verse is that? Just checking. It will be healing to your body, check this out, and refreshment to your bones. Mm. Wow. How y'all doing, you doing all right? It, it, listen, anytime you, the, one thing the Holy Spirit does, reveals to you what you may have been involved in or are involved in that actually is destroying you. And when you turn from it, this I love God, he gives us the ability to say no. I know it was kind of a stupid advertisement back in the 80s when they, they came out with a campaign and said just say no. We know that that's just, that's not that simple, right? If you've ever been on, if you've ever been on um, any kind of uh, uh, narcotics, you know that it, it, it ain't just like, you know what I'm saying? You know, something has to happen to you. Usually one of the things that what God will do is he will give you that that, that phrase, that, that beautiful phrase called the fear of the Lord will, ca will cause you to see how wicked whatever it is. And when you see that, according to him, you're able to turn. So he says that when you, when you turn from, from evil, when you turn away from it, what it does, uh, it, mm, Lord have mercy. It'll be healing to your body and refresh your bones. Okay, so we're almost there. Look at verse 9. So God has dealt with your mental state, your, your volition, your, your, your ability to choose, to trust. He's given you promises about your future and your days. And then he gives you some instruction. Verse 9. Say it, please, if you will. Say it together. What does it say? Mm. Mm -hmm. It's kind of amazing to me that for people who think that God, you know, y'all just talk about money too much. Isn't it amazing in the, in the midst of that kind of instruction, it immediately goes to your economics. And she says to her son Solomon, uh, "I want to. Uh, I got to deal with this economic. Why do you think that she talks about economics in the midst of this soul-wrenching instruction? Because where the heart is, that's where your treasure is. God knows that that your treasure is the ability to bring forth." 
the life you always want. So it's very close to us. It's personal with all of us. For most of us, we don't, we don't do bad when, 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 when the preaching is about spiritual principles. It's just that when we start talking about money, something else comes up. But it's amazing that in, the, in, in, that, that in, this, in this incredible piece of wisdom, she says to him, right in the middle of it, I need you to honor the Lord. I want you to honor the Lord from your wealth. That means what you already have. One translation is from your increase and from the first of all, your produce. From the first of all, you produce. In other words, you got what you already have and what you're already producing. Do you see those two things? Your wealth you already have. It's already accumulating. Your, your, your produce is what's just what's happening, what you are recently receiving. And because these people in those days, most of them were agrarian. They were, you know, they were farmers or herdsmen. He says, uh, my son, he says, um, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, some of you who, who in your past, you know, wine was a problem for you. You know, you're having difficulty right now. But it's okay. And I want to say this to every one of you. If, if, if the enemy used wine and made it evil for you, then you should uh, give, give, be mindful of that. And all the people of God said amen. In this, in, in, in this culture, that, that was not a problem. And so wine represents actually joy. It represents that overflowing gratitude and fulfillment and joy. Hmm. Barns represents how you keep what you've harvested. It would be an equivalent of our bank accounts. Vats refer to where you're storing stuff. Some of you have investments. Hmm. She, said, she said, Solomon, I want this, these to be full and overflowing. Are you there, saints? So get your paper out, and, or, or go, quickly go to your notes, and you'll see. This, this will be real quick, hopefully not too painful. Amen. So when she addresses these, this passage, she's, she actually says, there, there are five things I want you to do. Number one, I want you to be steadfast in your commitment. Trust him with all your heart. Trust him with all your heart. Trust God with everything you have within you. He wants you to be steadfast in your commitment to the Lord. Love and faithfulness is what really is, is really referred to here. Because that's going to lead you to things that will bless your life. And
And you can look there later this week in the notes and check the scriptures out. He wants you to be steadfast in your commitment to, you know, people that are not able to do that, they don't get the best because it can't be trusted. You know, your trust in God really is seed for your being trusted in so many other positions. God wants to deal with your heart. If you've not been trustworthy, then it's time for you to turn from that evil. Trust is steadfastness. You can depend. So when the Lord says, when they say trust in the Lord, it's a, it really is, we, we were doing this a few weeks ago, someone would lean, would be turned backwards and fall and their friends would catch them. It's a picture of trusting. You trust your friends. How do I know you trust them? You go ahead and fall. Because, you know, if they just move their hands, you know, you're going to bust your head. And that's why it uses this word, because that's what God, that's exactly the way he wants us to be toward him, saints, in this season. Trust him. You'll see how that impacts you in just a moment. Second thing God wants you to do is be dependent, dependent in your thinking. Don't lean to your own understanding. Don't let your own wisdom be the thing that guides you. Depend, dependent on in, in your thinking is saying, Lord, I, uh, I need you to help me to understand the ways you do things. That's why giving is so powerful because when the Lord asks you for something and, and it's, it's, you know, it's really God asking you, then generally it's more than what is comfortably surrendered. And when you, I love James and Lisa's testimony because at some point their trust said, okay, write the check. I do understand, by the way, I do, I do get it why you could be suspicious when somebody gets up and says, all right, I want everybody who can give $100 right now, give, the Lord says give $100 for this and this and this and this and this. And you say, really, really? But how many of you have obeyed one of those commands and God actually showed up? Would you raise your hand to help the other folks that are sitting around? You, you had to trust what was saying, or at least to trust the person that was saying the integrity of the person giving you that, those instructions. And then you had to trust in God, who's the only one who can do the things that you needed done. By the way, God is always working on your trust. I, I wish I could tell you that this, is, this grows without pain, but I must tell you, when God wants to increase your trust, he'll increase the stakes, he'll increase the risk, and when you really have to trust him, like Abraham had to trust him, in the beginning, he's trusting him with direction. Next, he's trusting him with Sarah's life. By the time God's really about to bless him, he has to trust him with the thing he loves the most. God says, I want it. Lord, how are you going to wait 25 years and give me what I want and get it back? You, you know, you, are you, we used to call that an Indian giver. I don't know where that comes from. But, but how are you going? Lord, how are you going? In the, can you imagine what he was feeling? But he knew God's voice. After 25 years of God showing up and entrusting him, he said, why wouldn't he show up now? So he tells those guys, me and the boy, we're going up to worship and we'll return. 
with their going up to worship, Abraham's worship was destroying the thing he loved, giving God the thing he loved. So when the Bible says trust in the Lord, it's a big deal. And don't lean on your own thinking. Don't be dependent. God never asked Abraham to give up, to give up his son ever before. But he knows the voice and he trusted. Number three, God, you need to be humble in your obedience. Steadfast in your commitment. God wants that from your life. Number two, he wants you to be dependent, dependent in your thinking. I need you to help me understand. While you're helping me understand, I'm going to trust your command. While you're helping me understand, I'm going to trust your command. While you're helping me understand, I'm going to trust your command. He wants you to be humble in your obedience. I'm almost finished. You need to be humble in your, in your obedience. Man, don't be wise in your own eyes. You, don't, you, you cannot see what God sees. And if you're to see what God sees, then you have to do what God says. Obedience comes first. Understanding comes next. That's the way the scripture works. First, when you obey, if, you obey the, the, if you obey the command, then you will understand. Let the people say amen. In our nature, we want God to show us first. God said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm leading you. You obey me, and then I'll show you. Not only humble in your obedience. Fourthly, he wants you to be lavish or generous in your, in your giving. By the way, what I'm giving you is a lifestyle of the believer. This is the way we live. This is the way we roll. Here's how we, here's how we glide. Here's how we stride. You can depend on me and my commitment. If I tell you I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I, I, I may not understand everything, but I trust God. I'm not going to brag on me, but I really, really depend on God. You are humble in your obedience. And then lavish, generous in your, in your giving. And the reason why I say this is because here's a problem. An attitude come, rises up around first fruit season. What's the least I can do and get blessed? This attitude is not just first fruit season. This attitude is for most people who, who, are, who are not on the track I'm, I'm talking about right now. Let me get by with the least I can do. And God is saying something very different. He wants the best you can do. And then he's going to tell you this. You give me your best, I'll give you my best, and we'll see whose best is the best. That's the kind of God you serve. Don't forget, God is great and God is good. So don't, don't shortchange God. And don't, don't tip God. Tap and say, quit tipping the Lord. He is not your waiter. So th this lifestyle of the believer is God, th this is the way God, God wants you to be. Lavishly generous in your giving. You know what, I, I, I won't I'll do it next time.
God, this is amazing, I think, about when he reveals something about his goodness. His God loves a cheerful giver. Now, how does God know what a cheerful giver is? A cheerful giver is. How would God judge a cheerful, a cheerful giver? Have you ever thought about that? Tap your neighbor and say, notify your face, baby. <laughs> It's amazing to me. You know, we, we like, you know, it's for some of us, you know, we, 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 you know, we get it out, you know. We say, oh, Lord, and Jesus, oh. <laughs> it's amazing. And then we get, we go through, we got the 100, we got the 50, we got the 10. Okay, get the 5. That's what I got this month. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, it's an attitude, right? We get the 5 out, you know, like we really, I, I want to do the least, I, I want to at least, I got to let people see that I'm giving something. Totally the wrong attitude God is looking at. Really, what the Lord wants to do is develop something in you that says that I can't outgive God. We grew up, uh, that's the song they taught us in our youth. You remember how it went? How'd it go? You can't be God giving no matter how. You try. The more you give, the more he gives to you. Just keep on giving because it's really true that you can't be God giving no matter, no matter how. That's really good, guys. When did they teach you that? My mama taught me that. How many of y'all learned it in the Baptist church? Come on, wave it. Mm, wave your hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> the thing is, she didn't lie. She had five boys and two girls. And, and one of the things that, that about those, those boys and those girls is they're givers. Because mama... She put that in us. And dad, before he went to be with the Lord, that was his life. Being lavishly generous is one of the attributes that God wants to build in us. Because a person who is generous understands how great God is and understand how good he is. If you know how great God is and how good he is, you know that anything you give to God, he will never be beholden to you. You know that God will richly supply. My God shall supply, come on, of my needs according to, by Christ Jesus. Last one, number five. Be submissive in your experience of affliction. What? Be submissive in your experience of affliction. You will go through some things that are negative. There are experiences in the walk with the Lord that are not pleasant. Are you all okay so far? So I didn't read that. I didn't read it on purpose. So read verse 11. Please read it, please. 
my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, good God Almighty. Are you reading the Bible? Whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects a son in whom he delights. I, I, I said that to you because when you are a giver, when you're generous and you're not haughty and boastful and you turn from, from wickedness because of the fear of the Lord and you trust him with all your heart and you don't lean on your own understanding, that does not mean you're not going to go through some bad stuff. It's just that you get to know God differently as you go through those, that stuff. How could he ever rescue you if you never went through? And how could he show you how great he is if you never had a challenge? And how could he not re how could he reveal his goodness to you unless you had to deal with some evil? Are you all breathing? You, you decide to walk with the Lord Jesus. It does not mean you're going to tiptoe through the tulips to the rest of your life. It means, yea, though I walk through the light of the, of, what about it? I will fear no. Why? Because the Lord, he's great. Man, he's good. During this first fruit season, you have an opportunity to enact something in your life. Those of you who have never had, never done this before, I do get it. It's just not a tithe. It's not like other kinds of giving. It's very different. And, and, and God instituted this before the law ever came, and he instituted this giving for God's people before they ever got into the land. In fact, he said to them, when you come in the land, he gave it to them while they were still in bondage. When you come into the land, I want you to take some of the first of your increase. And I want you to take some of it. He doesn't tell you how much of it. And I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you how much of it. This is about your heart. Take some of the best. And bring it to me. And this season we called it altars and answers. Bring it to the priest. Bring it to the altar. And submit it to me. It's your first And I will guarantee that the rest will come. I'll put a blessing on the rest because the first is holy. And I, if the first is holy, the Bible says, then the rest is holy. I want you to sanctify everything coming by the first of what you offer. Don't think about it. Think about it in terms of, uh, oh my God, I am enacting a principle of the kingdom. So don't be cheap, don't make it small. And you have to define small for you. You have, to, you have to do small great for you. Make it significant. And when you offer that as a first fruit, God says, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna cause your vats, your, your barns, your holding places where you keep your stuff, I'm gonna cause it to be full and over, 